Once again, thank you so much for, for joining us um, as we go through these spiritual disciplines. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So when we, when we discipline ourselves, the main purpose is godliness. It's to, go, uh, to grow closer and closer to God, to grow our relationship with God. And there are different ways that God can help us grow. Number one, Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man can sharpen another. In other words, God can use other people around us to grow our relationship with Him or to grow as Christians. The second one is Romans chapter 8 28. It's a very popular verse of Scripture. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So God can use things. He can use situations. He can use circumstances to help us grow. A lot of us, we have, we have grown in our Christian walk as we went through, as we were going through the valleys that David talks about in Psalm 23. As we go through those valleys of death or the shadow of the valley of death, when you go through those difficult moments of our times, that's when we grew. Out of that situation, we learned something. I always say life is the only teacher who will give you the test, who will give you the exam before the lesson. After you have gone through those experiences, then you learn the lesson. So sometimes we go through things so that we can grow in our Christian walk. And the last one that we see here, it's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, discipline yourself, train yourself, practice for the purpose of godliness. In other words, there are three ways. Number one, God can use people around us. He can use your husband. He can use your wife. He can use your children. He can use your pastor. He can use your co-worker. He can use any other person around you to help you grow in your Christian walk. Number two, God can use circumstances. God can use things that we go through in life. To grow in our Christian walk. And the last one. God can use us when we discipline ourselves. The first two we have no control over them. You have no control on how people treat you. When somebody comes to you and says I hate you. You can't control them. Whatever people do. You can't control what people do to you. Number two. A lot of circumstances around us. We have no control over them. You can't control the weather. You can't control Let's say there is an accident, you can't control it. I mean, there are things that you can't control. It's just outside your control. Maybe it could be disease or sickness or you know, health challenges. You can't control those things. But number three, it's on us. We have to discipline ourselves. Disciplining ourselves, it means I have control over it. I can decide to grow in my Christian walk. I have control over that one. It's, it's on me 100%. So I want us to focus on that. How do you discipline yourself so that you can grow in your Christian walk? Let's look at Timothy, I mean, uh, Paul in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 27. He says, but I discipline my body. I discipline or I train my body. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So it's very, very important that we should discipline ourselves. And 
those of you who have been with us for some time now, we have gone through a lot of spiritual disciplines. Uh, the first one we talked about studying God's Word, that we need to study God's Word. The second one was prayer. We talked about prayer. We talked about worship. We talked about saving as part of our spiritual disciplines. Today we're going to focus on meditation. And these are the things that we need to do every day when we want to grow in our Christian walk. Any great minister, any great pastor, any great bishop that you know, all of them, there is no shortcut. All of them, they went through this. They make sure that every day they study the word of God. They make sure that every day they pray. They make sure that every day they worship. They make sure that they serve. They make sure that they meditate on God's word. That's how you grow in your Christian walk. There is no magic. There is no, oh, my church is a better church than yours. We all have to do it personally. No pastor will do this for you. And we have the spiritual discipline of fasting. We have the spiritual discipline of evangelism. We also have the spiritual discipline of journaling. Now, let's look at James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The Bible says, if we hear the word of God, and we do not do what the word of God says, we are just deceiving ourselves. God wants us to do his word. God wants us to practice his word. So in other words, when the word of God is being preached, when the word of God is being read in church, there are two groups. There is a group that's going to do it, and there is a group that only hears for entertainment, and they are not going to practice it. We have to make a decision. Where do you want to be? Do you want to move from being a hearer only and become a doer? There is a bridge that you need to cross in order to do that. If you have to move from just being a hearer and become a doer of the word, there is something that you will need to do. Look at verse 23. It says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like somebody who is observing his natural face in a mirror, just like looking at your, uh, 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 at your face in a mirror. For he observes himself, he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You, you forget how you look like. Because the word of God, it acts like a mirror. It reflects on us. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. This is very important. Underline, he's going to be blessed. In other words, the person who does the word of God, that is the person who will be blessed. But remember, we have to move from just being hearers of the word and we start to practice the word of God. Knowing the word of God is not enough. There are a lot of people who know the Bible, who can quote a scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And there are some people who, who even teach it. They are teachers. You know, when we grew up uh, during our high school time, we used to have a, a, a subject called biblical studies. Who will have teachers who who knew the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, they will teach the biblical studies. They will teach that class the whole year. They will teach the whole Bible. But those people were not Christians, some of them. Some of them didn't even believe in the very same Bible that they were teaching. And even today, there are people who hear the word of God, but they do not do it. 
So knowing the word of God is not enough. There are people who read the Bible so they can critique it. Who read the Bible so they can, they can find out if there is anything wrong with it. And they will come out, so there are contradictions in the Bible. There are contradictions because that is the purpose of them reading the Bible. You are not reading the Bible so you can do it. You are reading the Bible so you can criticize Christians. So knowing the word of God, it's not enough. You should not be impressed just because somebody is quoting the Bible verses. You should be impressed by the person who does the word of God. Knowing the word of God, it's not enough. Being a hearer of the word of God, it's not enough. But being a doer of the word, it's enough. God wants us to move from being hearers to doers. The discipline of meditation or thinking about the word of God is the only way to translate from being a hearer to a doer. If you want to move from a hearer of the word of God and you become a doer of the word of God, you have to go through the discipline of meditation. All of us will know how to meditate. To meditate simply means to think about something. You remember last week or last night or some of you maybe two days ago when there was something that was bothering you and you slept, you never even slept the whole night you were thinking about it. It could be something that was bothering you. It could be finances. Maybe it could be somebody who is bothering you. And you keep thinking about that person. How can he do this to me? How can she do this to me? After I've helped him. After I've done this. One, two, three, four. And they still treat me like this. How can they speak to me like this? Now, when you start thinking about that person the whole night, the whole day, that's what they call meditation. So all of us who know how to meditate. The word worry. Worry simply means to meditate, by the way. If you say, I'm worried about something, what you're saying is, I'm meditating on that. That's all that you're doing. So meditation, it's not something that you can, that you think we cannot do. All of us know how to meditate. Every time you're worried about something, you are thinking about something, that's meditation. So what you do is you replace whatever you're meditating on, you replace it with the word of God. Instead of thinking about that problem, instead of thinking about that person, instead of thinking about that issue, start thinking about the word of God. That's called meditation. Meditation is thinking about how I can apply the word of God in my daily life. Meditation is after you have heard the word of God. After you have listened to the word of God. After you have read the Bible. You ask yourself a question. How can I apply this in my life? The moment you say how can I apply this in my life. The moment you want to do it. The moment you want to attach it to a, to a, to a circumstance. That is meditation. So there is no way you can do the word of God without meditating on it. Because when you meditate, you are thinking about your personal situation. How do I apply the word of God in my finances? How do I apply the word of God in my relationship? How do I apply the word of God in my marriage? How do I apply the word of God in my work situation? That is called meditation. So meditation is thinking about how can we apply the word of God in our lives or in our situation. Spiritual discipline of meditation is very, very important. It's unfortunate that it has become identified or it has been identified with non-Christian systems. You know, in most cases it's associated with uh, things like yoga, relaxation therapy, or new age movement, you know, the Eastern religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, and those kind of things. Or even Judaism sometimes, you know. 
where people will say, okay, uh, just empty yourself, you know, empty your mind, think about nothing, and they start to play soft music, and they don't, don't think about anything, just empty yourself, and they call that meditation. They call that meditation. In other words, it, it, it's complete mental passivity. You think about nothing, and they call it meditation. But within the Christian faith, meditation is when you start to think about the Word of God. Meditation, by the way, it's scriptural. It's in the Word of God. It's in the Word of God. So when we, when we meditate on the Word of God, what we do is we fill our minds with God's Word. We fill our minds with the truth of God. So it, it, it requires constructive mental activity. The Christian meditation it's, it's an activity. You think about something. You don't empty your mind. You fill your mind with the Word of God. So medita meditation, it's biblical. It's in the Word of God. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Very, very clear. And it tells us what you should meditate on, what you should think about. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Meditate on those things. God gives us a syllabus. God gives us a list of things that we need to think about. Things that we can meditate on. God wants us to meditate. God wants us to think about things that are true. Focus on the truth of God. Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. Focus on him. Whatever is right, meditate on the right thing. Don't meditate on the negative things. You know, your mindset, the way you think, it determines how you live. You, you can't think wrong things, think negative things, and you live right or you live a positive life. It's not possible. You know, our lives always gravitate towards our strongest thought. The way you live right now, it's a reflection of your thought. It's a reflection of what you think about. We have to start thinking about the right thing so we can live the right life. Think of excellence. Think of something, think of something that is lovely. Something that is praiseworthy. Think about those things. Focus on those things. Because that's what God wants us to do. Deep thinking on the truth. You know, that's revealed in the scripture. It, 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 the main purpose, like we said, it's to understand the word of God. Pray about the word of God. And finally apply the word of God. The main purpose of thinking about those truths. The main purpose of thinking about the scripture. The main purpose of meditation. Is so that we can understand the word of God. We can pray over the Word of God. Those of you who are with us when we talk about uh, praying over the Word of God, you know how to do that. We have to pray on the Word of God. But finally, also apply it in our lives. It is just a waste of time to read the Bible. You read all these chapters, or you read the whole book of, of the Bible, or you read, you read the whole Bible, but at the end of the day, you, you apply nothing in your life. It's just a waste of time. Whatever we read in the Word of God, it should become applicable in our lives. It should be reflected in our lives. 
Another thing that we, we learn is meditation leads to godly success. Let's look at John Joshua chapter 1 verse. It's a very popular verse of scripture. Most of us will like uh, quoting this scripture. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. When? Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. We have to think about the word of God during the day. We have to think about the word of God at night. So that you may be careful to do what? To do everything written in it. The purpose of the word of God, the purpose of meditating on the word of God, is that you want to move from just being the hearers of the word of God and become the doers of the word of God. We have to be careful that we do what is written on the word of God. Let's look at the result. Let's look at the outcome. What, what happens in our lives when we start to practice the word of God? Then you will be prosperous and successful. You know, if I want to write a book that will sell that ho like hot cakes, it's very easy. I write a book and say uh, eight principles of how to prosper. Eight secrets of how to become successful. Everybody loves, once I put secret, people love secrets. They love secrets. They love secrets. If I can tell you, oh, I want to start a church, and I'll call it Prosperous Church or Successful Church, whatever church, and I name it related to prosperity. Everybody would like to join my church because, oh, there is prosperity there. My brothers and sisters, here is the open secret of success. The Bible says we become prosperous and successful when we do the word of God. You don't have to go and read another secret book that says the secret of success or the 20th secret of being pro prosperous. No. The word of God is enough to make you successful. Read the word of God and practice it. The Bible says God guarantees that you'll be successful in life. The purpose of meditation is doing the word of God. We are converted from being hearers of the word of God to doers of the word of God. Prosperity and success that we are talking about here is prosperity and success in God's eyes, not in the world's eyes. I think we have, we have just realized recently, most of us, maybe in the past two, three weeks, that the people that we thought are successful, oh, they were not successful. Because that was not true success. People that we used to admire, they drive big cars and we call it success. They have big houses and we call it success. Now we start to realize, oh, oh, that was not real success. It was not real success. So when we talk of success here, we have to look at success in God's eyes. How does God define success? When God speaks of success, let's look at 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. When God speaks of success, He says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may prosper and enjoy good health as your soul also prospers. Real success, real prosperity, it's health. It's health. It's health. Here we talk of physical health and mental health. The word soul, the word soul there, it, it represents, it, it's, it's what you call psyche. Psyche, which means mentally, mentally, emotionally. We have a lot of people that we think they are successful, but emotionally they are not successful. We think they are healthy, but emotionally they are not healthy. 
God wants us to be healthy emotionally. When you are emotionally healthy, when you are emotionally strong, you, you make better decisions for yourself, you make better decisions for your family, you make better decisions for your organization, you make better decisions for your business. We need to be emotionally healthy. And when you are emotionally healthy, God calls it prosperity. God calls it success. That is the definition of success according to God. Some of us will think just because somebody is driving expensive cars and we call them successful. That's not how God defines success. God defines success when we are emotionally healthy. There is nothing wrong, by the way, with having money. There is nothing wrong with driving big cars. There is nothing wrong with having a big house. I'm not condemning that. Don't get me right, wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, God's definition of success is when we have healthy relationships. It's when we enjoy whatever we have. Healthy relationship with our wives, healthy relationship with our families, healthy relationship with our, with our husband. That's what we call real success. If we don't have healthy relationships, God does not call it success. We may call it success as human beings. Because that's how we look at it. But God has his own definition of success. So when the Bible says, then you will prosper and be successful. That's what it means. Every problem that we have in our relationship, by the way, all the problems that we have in our relationship, it simply means one thing. We have deviated from the word of God. Any problem that we have in our relationship, it simply means we have deviated from the word of God. If all of us could conform, all of us could do what the word of God says. If we can practice our relationship based on the word of God, the husband does what the word of God says, the wife does what the word of God says. I'm telling you that you eliminate almost 99% of our problems. The reason why we have, we have problems, the, the reason why we have challenges, in most cases, is because we put away the word of God and want to do, want to, want to do what people advise us, to, advise us to do, even if it's against the word of God. Anything that God creates, it has 100% chance of success. Whether it's a business, your business has 100% chance of success if you do it based on the word of God. If you do it the way God wants you to do it. And you be honest with your customers. Be honest with people. Trust God for everything. Trust God with your finances. You'll be successful. That's what the Bible says. It says, then you'll be prosperous and successful. As long as you practice the word of God. But you cannot practice the word of God if you do not spend time and meditate on the word of God. And ask yourself, how can I apply this in my life? There is a relationship between meditating on the word of God and success. Great, great relationship. Doing or practicing God's word results in prosperity and success. That's what the Bible says. You will never practice or do what you never thought about, it, what you never understood, what you never uh, believed in. So for you to be able to practice the word of God, you have to believe in it. You have to understand it. And we only understand it when we read the word of God and meditate on it. Let's look at uh, Psalm chapter 1 from verse 1 to 3. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk 
No, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But, but, this is very important, but his delight is in two things. Number one, is in the law of the Lord. Number two, and on his law he meditates day and night. If you want to be blessed, what do you do? Meditate on the word of God. If you want to be blessed, what do you do? Meditate on the word of God. When we meditate on the word of God, the Bible says we will be blessed. We will be blessed. Look at the progression. Number one, it says, blessed is the man who does not walk. You walk and walk and walk with the wicked. It, it's like when you uh, when you're walking on the street and you meet somebody who is going towards the same direction like you. You can walk with them, but then as they talk and talk and talk, you become interested in their topic. You become interested in what they are talking about. Then when they stand, you start to also stand. Instead of continuing to move, you stand. Then after sitting, I mean after standing, then you sit. You don't want to go where you are going. So the Bible says, blessed is the man who does not, number one, walk in the counsel of the wicked. Number two, who does not stand in the way of sinners. Number three, sit in the seat of mockers. So you can walk with them. You get more interested in their company. You get more interested in what they are talking about. When they stop, you stop and stand also and start to discuss with them. When they sit, when they have arrived where they are going, then you sit with them. You lose your vision. You lose your focus. You lose where you are going. Bible says, but we have to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. When you do that, it says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whether he, uh, whatever he does, prosper. Whatever he does, prosper. If you meditate on the word of God, the Bible says you will prosper. Your prosperity lies on the word of God. Your prosperity lies on meditating on the word of God. Let me ask you a question. What do you enjoy thinking about? What is it that you always think about? And why? The Bible says when we delight in God's word, when we think about it, we meditate on it, Throughout the day and throughout the night, our ways shall be prosperous. Our families shall be prosperous. Our lives shall be prosperous. Our careers shall be prosperous. In everything that we do, we shall be prosperous. You can always ask yourself when you're in a situation. There's an acronym that we use, WWJD. What will Jesus do? In this situation. Always when I'm in a situation, I ask myself, what will Jesus do? How will Jesus respond to this situation? When a circumstance like this comes up, what will Jesus do? When a person does this to, 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 to him, what will Jesus do? Maybe for now we can also replace the D with a T. What will Jesus think in this situation? Can we think like Jesus? Can we think like, how will Jesus think in this situation? 
The result of such meditation is stability. Bible says you are like a tree that is planted. A tree that is planted, it's stable. It cannot move. It is stable. It is there. A tree will stay there for, for five years, for ten years, for twenty years, for thirty years. Some of the trees that we see we were born and we found them there and they are still there even today. Some of them, they are landmarks in our villages. Some of them are landmarks in our, in our towns and cities. The Bible says, the Bible says, when you meditate on the word of God, you become stable. You are not moved, you are not shaken by the winds, by the storms. You remain stable. Do you want stability in your life? Are you tired of floating around in your life? Meditate on the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. When you meditate on the word of God, you become stable. Number two, you become fruitful. You become productive in all that you do. Do you want to live a fruitful life? Meditate on the word of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. If you want to live based on the fruit of the Spirit, and you want the fruit of the Spirit to reflect in your life, Meditate on the word of God. The Bible says you become fruitful. You lead, I mean you yield, yield fruits. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. You become emotionally healed. If you have to be healed emotionally, I don't know what you have gone through in your life. You might have gone through difficult times in your life. You might have gone through challenges in your life. You have to start meditating on the word of God. Allow the word of God to become your medication. If you want to be emotionally healed, focus on the word of God. Study the word of God. Grow in the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. Do you want peace in your life? Jesus says he's the prince of peace. Jesus, by the way, is the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. You know, so there is nothing that has been created without the Word, and the Word is Jesus. Do you really want peace in your life? Meditate on the Word of God. If you want perseverance as you go through some challenges in your life, if you want real and true prosperity, learn to meditate on the Word of God. When you meditate on, meditate on the Word of God, you live a better life. Those who meditate, those who meditate most in their lives, they do best in life. Because number one, they are stable. They are fruitful. They are emotionally healed. They have peace in their lives. They, they prosper. They have prosperity in their lives. They, they are able to persevere even in difficult circumstances, difficult situations. But you need to meditate on the word of God. Let's quickly go through how do we meditate on God's word. Number one, select an appropriate passage of scripture. Find a particular scripture and read it. You can repeat it and find meaning on each word. Even if it's just one word, but one verse, by the way. You don't have to read five chapters a day to meditate. Find only one. It could be a passage. It could be a, a, maybe a, a, a story in the Bible. Or it could be one verse in the Bible, it's okay. Spend some time, some time in it. Mine on it. Mine on it. That's when you will discover more. You know, those who, those who do mining, when they want to find gold, 
They just they don't just scratch the surface and move on to the next area. No. If you really want to find diamonds, you have to dig deep. Dig deep in the same area. You go down 500, uh, 500 meters down there, one kilometer down there, maybe even two kilometers down there, in the same area. That's where you'll find the real diamond. That's where you'll find gold. Let's do the same thing with the word of God. You don't have to spread around. You can stay on one scripture, stay on one verse, or stay on one chapter, and meditate on it the whole week. And that's what we're going to do this week. I want us to focus on Luke chapter 15. Stay on that every day, read the same chapter, the whole week. I'm telling you there's a lot in that, in that chapter. There's a lot that you will gain. And at the end you ask yourself, how can I apply this in my, in my, in my life? Don't rush. Don't rush. Look for applications of the text. Every time when you read the word of God, you must ask yourself, how can I apply this in my life? How can I make this applicable in my family? How can I make this applicable in my life? How am I to respond to this text? Is there anything I need to do after reading this? Don't rush and, and, and just read through or, or pen through. No. Spend some time. Go through each word. And so what is the meaning of this word? What does this word mean? How can I apply this in my life? What will God have me to do as a result of my encounter with his word. After I've read this word, what is it that God wants me to do? Is there any command that he wants me to, uh, to take? Let's look at Psalm 119 verse 18. It says, Open my eyes, O Lord, that I may see the wonderful things in your law. That should be your prayer every time you read the Bible. God, open my eyes. I don't just want knowledge of the word of God. I don't just want to have information about the word of God. I want to be transformed. Because the word of God is not like any other book. It's not like any other uh, 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 book that you can get from the library. These other books, they just inform you. They give you information. Just like a newspaper. They just give you information. That's it. The word of God should not just give us information. But it should transform us. It should change us from being hearers of the word. And we become doers of of the word. That is the purpose of the word of God. And you can only do that when we pray and ask God and say, Lord, please open my eyes as I'm about to read the word of God. As I'm about to read the Bible, open my eyes, Lord, so I can see the wonderful things, the richness of the word of God. There is so much in the word of God. And pray through the text. Pray through whatever God has revealed in your life. Pray through it. Like I said, do not rush. Take time to read the word of God. There is no value in reading one, two, or three, or even more chapters of scripture. Then after finishing reading, you can't even recall, you can't even remember what you have read. It's just a waste of time. You rather use that time to do something. Go fishing or do something. Or go play uh, basketball or whatever you can play. It's just a waste of time. You have to read the word of God. Spend some time on it. Whether you spend 20 minutes on one verse, it's okay. You don't have to rush. I know sometimes some of us who are being pushed, you have, to read the, you have to read the Bible in one year. Read the Bible in one year. I don't do that. Because you are just rushing to finish the Bible. But after reading the whole Bible, you can't even remember anything. You have to spend time. Dig deep into the Word of God. And that's how you grow. That's how you learn. 
So you, you may read one chapter for the whole week. It's okay. As long as God still reveals more things to you. It's okay. You know, you'll never, you'll, you'll never have enough of God's word. There are things that I have read maybe 10, 15 years ago as a Christian. And I still read the same verse today. I always get something new out of it. I always learn something new out of it. Those who are pastors, they will agree with me. Sometimes there is a verse that you have preached about maybe five years ago. Today you go to the very same verse and God reveals more to you. Out of the same verse. Out of the same text. Because God always wants to speak into our lives through his word. Like I said, it's better to read a small amount of scripture and meditate on it than to read an extensive uh, section but at the end, you understand nothing. It is not helpful. It is not helpful. We need to read the word of God and understand it. Number, number six, be silent before God. Be silent before God. God is the best listener. You don't have to shout. You don't have to scream. You can be silent before him and give him a chance to talk back to you. There are quite a number of verses that I want to quickly go through here. Psalm 46 verse 10 it says, Be still and know that I am God. And there is a song that we always sing. Be still in the presence of God. Some of us will never, we never keep quiet before God. When you pray to God, after you have prayed to God, just be quiet, just be silent before God. Listen to Him. God will speak back to you. God always wants to speak back to you, but we don't give him a chance to speak to us. Can we learn to be silent before God? Can we learn to listen to God when he speaks back to you? Some of us have been praying, God, give me a job. God, give me a job. Maybe God does not want to give you a job. He wants to give you an idea that will create more jobs. Who knows? But if you, don't, if you are not silent before him, if you don't give him a chance, you will keep on praying and say, God, give me a job. God, give me a job. And God says, I have an idea. I want to give it to you. I have an idea. I want to give it to you so you can start a business. You can start some more jobs. You can start some more things. You can start some projects. I have an idea, a good idea that will bring more money to, uh, to, to your family. But you have no time to listen to God. You are busy praying and say, God, give me a job. God, give me a job. Sometimes you just have to be silent before God and say, God, speak to me, I'm listening. Speak to me, I'm listening, oh God. Be still and know that I'm God. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, be silent in the, in the Lord's presence and wait patiently for him. Some of us, we, have, we, we can't wait before God. Always you just pray, Lord, give me a car. Lord, give me money. Lord, give me a big house. Lord, give me a wife. Lord, give me a husband. I pray, God, give me a baby. Amen. Then we leave. Can we be silent before God? Can we be silent in the presence of the Lord? Just enjoy His presence. Sometimes God wants your presence. Sometimes God wants you to be, just to be there. Some of us have been so busy with the, word of, with, with, with the work of God, the work of ministry. You are so busy doing this, running up and down, praying for people, doing everything, preaching and running all in these places. You have no time to sit down and say, God, let me enjoy your presence. God says, yes, you have been busy with my business, but now I want to spend time with you. 
I want to spend time with you. Just be silent before God in the presence of God. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 and 7 is a very popular verse of scripture also. It says, there is time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There is time to be silent and a time to speak. Some of us, we, we have no time to be silent. Always, we always speak, 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 speak. Sometimes just have to be silent and listen to God. Say, so God, what do you want me to do in this situation? God, I don't understand what's going on with my family. What's going on with my job situation? What's going on with my church? Let me give you this time to listen. Just be silent and listen to you. And I assure you, when you start to practice the, uh, the discipline of meditation, of thinking, you will see God start to speak into your life. You will hear God speak into your life. In every decision that you make, God will give you a direction. Some of us who have made blunders, who have made mistakes, that we are still paying for them even today. Some who have made mistakes last month, and we are still paying for them today. Some of us who have made mistakes 10 years ago, we are still paying for those mistakes today. Some of you have made mistakes 20 years ago, you are still paying for those mistakes today. Because you did not give God a chance to speak into your life. You are never silent before God. Can we be silent before God? And allow Him to speak into our lives. Psalm 65 5 and 6 says, My soul, wait in silence for God. Only. For God only. You put away everything. You put Facebook aside. You put WhatsApp aside. You put Google aside. You put your computer aside. And say, I want to wait in silence for God only. I turn off my cell phone and wait in silence for God only. Only. I don't want my friend to speak to me right now. I don't want my so-and-so to speak to me right now. I want God only to speak to me. For my hope is from Him. God wants to speak to you. Learn to be silent before God. Learn to be silent before God. Zephaniah 1.7 says, Stand in silence in the presence of the Sovereign Lord. Just be silent. Meditate on God. Meditate on His Word. Just be quiet. Some of us are too talkative before God. We have no time to listen to Him speak. By the way, prayer, like I said, prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. You speak to God, God speaks back to you. That is prayer. Prayer, you're not submitting your request. You're not just submitting uh, uh, your, your petition to Him. You're communicating with your Father. He speaks back to you when you give him a chance to speak back to you. God, we should not treat God him. We should not treat him like, 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 like Father Christmas. You know, Father Christmas is in the business of giving out gifts, Christmas gifts or Christmas presents. God is not like that. God wants to build a relationship with you. He, he does not just to give you things. God is interested in building a relationship with you. He wants you to speak to him, but he also in, wants to speak back to you. But he can only do that if you are silent before him, if you are quiet before him, and you give him a chance to speak back to you. It's very, very important that we should allow God to speak back to us. But we can only do that when we meditate on God's word. The last one. We have to respond specifically. When we encounter God's word, we should be able to respond in a specific way. Maybe God can give you one word. 
that you can respond. Maybe it could be an act of faith where you were doubtful in your life. Maybe God wanted to worship Him. And after reading the word of God, maybe God wanted to praise Him. Maybe God gave you a word of encouragement. He just wanted to encourage uh, yourself. Maybe He wants you to, to encourage other people. It could be a word of thanksgiving. Maybe a word of love. You have to show love to some people. Show kindness to some people. Maybe it's forgiveness. God convicted to forgive somebody. Maybe it could be a sin in your life that God wanted to stop doing. Or maybe God wanted to pray. Every time you read the word of God and meditate on it, you'll have a chance to respond. Lastly, God is in our silence. I want us to look at Kings chapter 19. We see Elijah here. He was running away. As he was running away, he confronts God. He confronts God. And he confronts God and God wants to speak to him. God wants to speak to him. He was running away from Jezebel. Second Kings chapter eleven, I mean chapter nineteen, from verse eleven to thirteen. The Lord said, "Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord." God wants to show up. I'm sure he's excited. He wants to see God. God says, "When you go out, then you'll be in the presence of the Lord. You will see the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. God is about to pass by." Come outside the cave so you can see God. While he was standing there, the Bible says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. Great wind, great storm. It came. Powerful wind made big noise. And the mountains started to shake. And the rocks were shattered before the Lord. But look at this. But the Lord was not in the wind. He was not there. He was not in the wind. He was not in the mighty wind. And the next one, while he was waiting, oh, God is not in the wind, okay? After the wind, there was an earthquake. It started to rumble. But the Lord was not in the earthquake also. The earth started to shake. And he said, yes, God is here. God is here. There is a shaking. God is here. But God was not in the earthquake. Number 12, verse number 12. After the earthquake came fire, 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 fire. He saw fire coming by and passed by. He remembered, he remembered, he said, oh, by the way, when God wanted to speak to Moses, he saw some fire. I mean, I mean there was some bush that was, that was burning, but being not consumed. Probably there is God here. There is God because there is fire, fire. Everybody is shouting fire, fire, fire. Probably there is God here. But the Lord, who was not in the fire, And after the fire came a gentle, silent whisper. Silent whisper. There came a whisper. Very quiet. Very gentle. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Listen to this. Then God was there. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God was in the whisper. 
Sometimes we mistake noise for God's presence. Just because it's noisy, it does not mean God is there. Just because it's crowded, overcrowded, God is there. Don't mistake noise for God's presence. Never. Sometimes noise is just emotions. Just because there is an emotional movement, it does not mean God is there. God's presence can be experienced in silence. God is experienced in our silence. And God wants to speak to you as an individual outside the noise. He speaks to us in our solitude, silence, when you're just by yourself. And God wants to ask the question, what are you doing here? It's during meditation. It's during that silent time. It's during that silent moment when God will speak to you and say, what are you doing? God will confront you. God will confront your sin. God will confront your situation and say, what are you doing? You know you're not supposed to be doing this. You will never hear that in the noise. But when you are in the presence of the Lord, God will start to correct some things in your life. Bible says in the cool of the evening, God walked and he asked, Where are you? Adam, where are you? God wants to ask you the same question. Where are you in your spiritual walk? Where are you regarding your spiritual relationship with him? Where are you in your prayer life? Where are you in reading God's word? Where are you? God wants to speak to you when you are silent. Not when we are noisy. Not when we are noisy. We only learn when we are silent. By the way, I always tell people this. Every time you speak, let's say I speak with you, every time you speak, by the way, you are learning nothing. Because whatever you are saying, you already know it. But you don't know what I'm about to say. When you talk too much, you listen less. Everything that you are saying, you already know it. It means you are learning nothing. You only start to learn something when you are silent, when you are quiet, and I speak to you. That is the only time that you will learn. That is the only time that you will learn. Every time you speak to somebody, learn to listen. That will help you a lot. And God also wants you to listen. Every time you pray, you have to learn to listen. As you're going to close, think of one word, whatever you have learned today. What is it that God wants you to practice from now onwards in your life? Is there anything that you have learned that God wants you to practice in your life? May God help us and God bless us as we continue to grow in our relationship with Him in our silence. Amen.